You are listening to Over Under, a sports talk podcast. Mike Schatzer, Craig Mesmer. We're here for episode 15. We've done a lot of draft preview. The draft, all seven rounds, all three days, is now put a bow on it. All done. We're going to give you a full comprehensive draft review, and then we'll be done with draft talk until next year's draft, which, by the way, should be a pretty good one. Schatzer, how you doing? Good, brother. How are you doing, man? Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. So let's get right into it. Let's talk. What do you want to do first? Should we break down our own teams? Do you want to give a, why don't you give us a little overview of what you thought about, you know, round one or the first couple rounds and what would your Steelers do that you either liked or didn't like? Well, I mean, I, I think, you know, it was a good draft. I watched a lot of the draft this year, which, you know, was surprising. I was able to watch a lot. Um, Steelers did okay. You know, some people ranked them, you know, they took a running back too high in the first round, which, you know, you know me, I'm a traditional Steelers guy where I want to see my dude getting the ball 20 times a game. And I think right. Najee Harris in the first round was a good pick. I, he's a, I think he's going to be a very durable running back. He can catch the ball. Good character kid. Um, I like what the Steelers did. Some good teams. I mean, some good, some teams did some well, some, some good things. Well, some teams made some bonehead picks, I guess. I don't know. I mean, that's why, that's why you have the draft, right? My friend. And it's going to take a couple, you know, everybody comes out there, instant draft grades and everything like that. And, you know, one team gets an A from some draft guy and another reporter gives them a D plus. So you just don't know. You got to wait three, five years to really have a good sense. Here's the thing I would say that I don't quite understand talking about your Najee Harris thing. When people talk, oh, you use the first round pick. But what if the guy turns out to be a really good player? What if he's, uh, you know, Henry in Tennessee? Yeah. And, and you didn't use a, the number two overall pick on him. You didn't trade up, you know, next year's first round pick to move up. You sat at 24, 25, whatever the pick was, somewhere in 24. the 20s. He fell to you. Yeah, he was the first running back taken. But if he ends up being a 1,300-yard guy with 12 touchdowns who can also catch the ball and, like you said, becomes a good permanent fixture of your offense, then it's not a it's not a bad pick just because you drafted a running. All of a sudden, the, the, the pendulum swings to the other side. Then now you should never draft a running back. Right. Well, there's got to be a happy medium. Right. So what what else did you guys do? The one thing I was a little surprised, you guys didn't, did did the Steelers take a quarterback? I don't remember if they did. We we did not. So I guess they're uh, just rolling with big Ben with, without any competition for another year. I I guess. I mean, they, they addressed some, some knees and offensive line that, that Kendrick green guy, they got him in the third round. I think he's, he's going to be a pleasant surprise. Very versatile by center or guard. Uh, They got a linebacker, buddy Johnson. Um, he's not Bud Dupree, but you know, you hear again, you know, people scoffed at the Steelers. They drafted Bud Dupree four or five years ago. Like, oh, why they draft Bud Dupree so high? Trying to be a pretty damn good ball player. Yeah, he got hurt. Right. But I mean, you know, these guys, you, you got now He get, left though, right? He he went somewhere else. Yeah, he left. In, I think he's in Tennessee now. He, okay. You know, he signed a big contract after tearing his ACL or MCL, whatever it hurt his knee. But I mean, it takes these, like you said, it takes these guys two or three years to develop. I mean, you're not going to know how good this draft is for Zach Wilson and, uh, Lawrence and Mac Jones and, you know, until two or three years, you, yeah, you know, Mel Kiper gave the Steelers a, a C plus on the Najee Harris draft. Like you said, if he, if he gets a thousand yards next year and 10 touchdowns, that's an A draft in my opinion right. you know, in the NFL today. But well, I don't know. What about, well, I mean, they, they have to fill up time and everybody want, you know, I'm a huge draft guy. So if people are going to come on and give their draft grades, I sit there and watch it. I just know that also deep down it, like you said, it doesn't mean anything. Because you could have a guy that you pick in the sixth round that turns out to be great. You could have a guy that was picked at number six overall that turns out to be terrible. Right. So you do have to wait. Um, I, I think it's interesting to look at. What I try to look at is how did teams manipulate the draft? In other words, did they let it come to them? If they traded up or traded back, what did they get to target specific guys? 
and was there did it seem like there was a, co a coherent and a cohesive strategy so let me give an example of that the, i really like what the detroit lions did the lions had picked number seven they could have gone in a million different directions yeah they need a receiver but you know what they obviously came in with their new general manager their new we're going to bite kneecaps head coach and said we're yeah. going to build the lines we're going to build the foundation of the team so they took you know sewell at offensive tackle the next couple picks were defensive tackles. It seems like they have a clear direction, which is let's build the lines. Let's get the big guys that are going to win in the trenches, hopefully. And then, yes, eventually we need to get a splashy quarterback. We need to add a piece at wide receiver. But you bring in, you know, Jalen Waddle or something like that right away, and there's no one to throw him the ball or protect the quarterback. What's the, So you have to build the line. So I really like what the Lions did. Um, so I, I think that's one way to look at it is just in terms of, did a team have a plan, does it seem like, and did they stick to that plan or were they just kind of all over the map? And, but even then, you, you just don't know until, until they actually start playing the games and you look back a couple of years. And you realize, too, when you look back at some of these drafts, there's only going to be a handful of guys that are ever going to be all pro, a handful that are going to make the Hall of Fame, you know, a good amount, but not that many. They're going to be Pro Bowl caliber players. The vast majority of these guys are going to be out of the league, disappointments, off with two or three other teams. It does, you know, oh, you're a grinch. It's just the go back and look at drafts. The 10% of the players do anything. 90% of them are names that you've never even, if you look back, you know, the 1998 draft or whatever it is, go back 20 years, you have names you've never heard of because they never did anything in the league, yet they were the, you know, the big wide receiver prospect that everybody had to get. Right. So I, th I think you, you got to keep it in, you know, you got to take it with a grain of salt. And then it becomes, you know, where do these guys go to and how do they fit in with a certain, certain scheme on a team. I did like the Najee Harris pick because I think your Steelers do need a back. I think Harris is really good. I like Etienne a little bit better. So I think he's a little more explosive. Um, and he went to an interesting place too. Jacksonville took him yep. to pair him with uh, tr uh, Trevor Lawrence to pick after you guys. So the running backs went boom, boom, right off the board there in the mid twenties. Well, I know we already talked about our, our round one uh, thing last week with Tom Skelly, the old King daddy. We missed him on this episode, you know, but uh you know, when you said manipulate the draft, like look what the Chicago Bears did. They drafted up to get, yeah. you know, Justin Fields early, you know. And you look at the Patriots, the Patriots sat back and waited for Mac Jones to fall into their lap. I mean, these guys know what the hell they're doing in terms of drafting more so than we do. You know, so how you manipulate the draft? Well, like you said, you know, I'm going to trade a second round pick for two thirds. Okay, I'll get now I have three. Now I have three third round picks or whatever. You, you're going to get some good talent there. So tell me about your Cowboys. What did your Cowboys do? You know, so you know there was one word that defined the Dallas draft, and that's defense. They right. came in obviously uh, ignoring one side of the ball because they're pretty set there. They have their quarterback, they have their running back, got receivers. I'd like to see a little more offensive line help early, but I guess they figure that if we get the guys healthy, we have all of our starters, we got some capable backups, but our Defense was abysmal last year, so they went out and just drafted defense. Their first six picks were all defense. They ended up with eight picks total coming, you know, multiple players on all three levels of the defense, line, linebackers and secondary. Um, I wasn't crazy about the Parsons pick when it hit because I wasn't even thinking they were going to go in that direction at all. But the more I kind of looked at his highlights and looked at how he fits in, I mean, the guy is – now, look, he, if, if the off-field issues creep in, it's the typical, why did we take this guy? But just based on what he does on the field, he's a top five player in the draft. He's so talented. I mean, he can rush the quarterback. And here's a, another thing I found out after doing a little research. He actually posted to his Instagram page back in January, I want to go to the Cowboys. His last game ever in college, 
He played in the, I guess it was the Cotton Bowl against Memphis a year ago because he sat out this past year. But that game was played in Cowboys Stadium, AT&T Stadium. And Parsons had like 14 tackles, two sacks, forced fumbles, everything. And he posted, I want to begin my NFL career where my college career ended. In other words, in AT&T Stadium, he took a picture of him during the game with that as the backdrop. So I said, oh, you got to like that. He wants to. So maybe that'll help him keep his nose clean and stay on the straight and narrow. Um, Dallas also went out. They took, uh, I think, Jabril Cox is his name. Yep. Uh, linebacker out of LSU who fell, who you saw in some places could be a first or second rounder, I guess must add some injury things that popped up late, you know, fell to fourth or fifth round, whatever it was. Um, but he's, they said he's probably the best coverage linebacker in the entire draft. So we got one linebacker that's coming forward in Parsons and running sideline to sideline. And then a guy on the you know strong side, who's going to be able to drop back into coverage. Um, it doesn't bode well for Leighton Van Der Esch, and they went out after the draft that next day and refused his fifth-year player option. So most likely he's got one year remaining in Dallas unless he wants to stay on a you know, very limited contract. Um, and we also uh, drafted some D linemen, drafted some secondary guys that, again, they have Dallas is drafting guys that have very particular skill sets. They want guys who are extremely athletic and extremely long. So they value, you know, arm length, 33 inches and above. They're literally drafting guys that have long arms that have certain measurables that you might not normally look at. Um, And they're definitely, they made Dan Quinn very happy. You know, the new defensive coordinator, the guy who blew the Super Bowl was head coach of the (laughs) Falcons, but he was a tremendous D coordinator with Seattle, the whole Legion of Boom defense. He's our new defensive coordinator. Nice. They basically said, what do you need to build this defense? And they went out and drafted guys and hopefully are going to fit that scheme. So overall, I like what Dallas did. I thought they reached on one or two players that, you know, it's not just about the player you draft, but when you take a guy in the fourth round that everybody's saying you probably could have gotten the seventh round, it just kind of makes you wonder a little bit. But for the most part, I'm very happy with the haul that they came away with. And we have a new defense going into next year. Well, so, you, know, you know what they say about guys with long arms? You hey. Know. <laughs> Long sleeves. Long sleeves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> who, who else did, what, what other takeaways did you have from either, you know, the, and look, once you get to Saturday, you get to around six, seven, we don't know these, let's face it. Right. There might be an occasional name that we've heard of that slipped, but to say, you know, I watched a lot of tape on this slot corner from, you know, Texas Prairie View. We're all lying. No, we <laughs> you haven't. <know> what? <laughs> you know, that's two things about that. There was not a single kid from an HBCU drafted in this year's NFL draft. And that's a damn travesty. You can't tell me there's not one of 357 dudes that tried out for, to be in the draft from an HBCU that didn't get nobody drafted. from Grambling. No one from wow. Hmm, no one. That's interesting. That's that's so what I've been told. So, but I, I'm not going to get on the social issue here. But I'm going to tell you about a six round pick that I've watched a lot of film on. All right, Thomas Fletcher, long snapper from Alabama, went to the Panthers, and okay. this dude played like 47 straight games in Alabama as the long snapper. You know, and that, he's gotten a lot of, you know, a lot of time as the PAT snapper and field goals. I mean, he scored a lot of points, dude. This guy, you know, he has a chance to make the team. And I always kid Luke about that. I'm like, dude, if you play football, you want to learn a new skill. Learn how to long snap. Right. Those cats make two, money. Two long snappers actually got drafted. Him and there was one other guy as a long snapper that got drafted. So, I mean, you, you know, you have to have a guy that can do that. You have to punt. You have to set up for field goals and extra points and everything. Yeah. Backup, you know, holder, whatever, whatever other role he fills. You got to have it. Dallas had a guy like that for a long time. J.P. LeDucier or some crazy name. But he was the, he was their long snapper for like 10 years. Mm-hmm. And he just, you know, he made a career for himself making probably minimum weight, you know, NFL minimum 
or, you know, 300,000 a year or whatever, but Hey, it beats, you know, working a real job and you go right. be a long snapper and have a 10 year career. It, it beats being a middle school principal. That's for <laughs> Well, I can't say that because I happen to love my job, but I mean, in terms of, you know, if I had, if I was an accountant or something like that, that would really be driving me nuts. Well, then I would absolutely prefer being a long snapper, well, you, you but did. I love being, but I love being a principal of LV Moore middle school. So let's not go that route. Now, let, let me ask you this talking about specialists that were drafted. Was it the did you guys draft a punter that's like 260 pounds or something? No, we yeah, was didn't. that the Steelers? No, pick that uh, guy. I can't remember who we went, but that dude's. I thought moment. it was the Steelers because I was talking to Barney, but maybe it was another team. And we said, Oh, this is like Reggie Roby. Remember Reggie yeah. Roby <laughs> with the, the Dolphins <laughs> with that with that crazy long high kick? He used to just sky the ball. He's doing some watch. Yeah, yeah, there were some interesting picks. I mean, a couple long snappers, a punter. There was a couple kickers drafted. Uh-huh. I was just, I was just looking before. There was actually only thirteen guards drafted in total, which to me just sounded like a very, you know, you got two guards that start at any time. Maybe right. there's going to be a lot of those guys that played tackle, like we talked about on one of our previous episodes. Guys that played tackle in college, mm-hmm. but they might not be, you know, have the skill set to play tackle at the pro level, so they're going to get kicked inside the guard. That could be a reason why there was, you know, twice as many tackles as guards taken. Right. Well, you know, I'm, I'm looking at, like you said before, we looked at all these different uh, publications that rate their rate their scores and drafts. Like the publication I've looked at a couple of times, they have the Patriots with the best draft. I love what yeah. the Patriots did. I really like what the Patriots did. I, yeah. I can see that. Well, their first two picks. Here's what I like. They sat there at 15. They didn't trade because it's not just about the guy you get. It's also about what you don't have to give up to get that guy. Right. And they didn't trade anything from next year. They didn't give up Stefan Gilmore. They didn't give up a second round pick. They just sat there. Mac Jones fell in their lap. They happily took him. And then they come back in the second round and they got a guy who I thought should have absolutely been a first round pick. Christian Barmore, the huge defensive tackle from Alabama, who, look, he took some plays off. He had some games against, you know, Mississippi State or whatever, where he all of a sudden disappeared. He's not going to do that with Belichick. Belichick's going to certainly know how to get in his backside and get this kid coached up and fired up and watch him be another Richard Seymour and play 10 years for the Pats. I think the Pats had the best offseason of any team in the entire NFL with guys they brought in as free agents. I thought their draft, at least early on, was really, really good. I can't, well, again, I can't speak to guys in the fifth and sixth round. I'll defer to, you know, Bill Belichick or some of these GMs that know a lot more than we do, but I really like what they did. And you talk about, you know, San Francisco sat at 12. They began the draft at 12. And according to their GM, or I guess it was maybe their coach that said it, but through the GM, they had equal grades. They would have been happy with anybody from Mac Jones, Justin Fields, and Trey Lance. I don't believe that, but that's what they said. Well, if that's true, then you just traded up two or three extra first round picks all the way up to number three when you could have sat at 12 and got one of the other two guys that you like just as much anyway. So, you know, to me, it's about who you get, but it's also about what you give up. And I I just don't like that move for San Francisco. I think they gave up a ton to put all that stock in a kid who's never played against any real competition. And they're just going to ask him to come in and be the savior for a very high marquee franchise like the Niners. That's putting a lot of pressure on that kid. He might be great. They need him to be great because otherwise it's a really bad draft for them if he ends up being average or, or below average. I got you. Well, I mean, that's that's two more people that Belichick has drafted from a Nick Saban coach team. I think that's 12 total now that he's drafted from a Nick Saban coach team. He got his first four picks, two from Alabama, two from Oklahoma, two big power five programs who are used to, you know, being successful. Got a kid from Michigan. Got a couple, you know, a kid from Missouri, a kid from Colorado. You know, no, no one stands out. I like, I like the Barmore pick. 
they do question his work ethic, but hey, you know, Belichick leaves that he knows how to motivate defense. And you might be right. Who disappointed you in the draft this year? I think there were a few teams. I don't really, we talked, we just talked about San Francisco and it's really just based on the one pick and look, it's not to say anything about Trey Lance. It's just about, you know, using their draft assets and they, they made that trade so far in advance of the, of the draft that if they would have just sat there at 12, Trey Lance might still been there. Who knows the way the draft played out. Uh, But anyway, I'm not crazy about what Miami did. I was really surprised that pick six, you know, Chase went and I was surprised that the Bengals at pick five didn't take Sewell to protect Burrow. They took his buddy to throw him the ball to, which is fine. But I was surprised Miami took Waddle over Devontae Smith. To me, if I'm going to take a receiver and I'm going to take an Alabama receiver at six, I'm taking Devontae Smith. But again, that's a professional GM. They took Waddle. I really don't like their second pick. They took defensive ends from the U. Um, Phillips, Jalen Phillips, whatever his name is. He's got a really lengthy injury history. Um, and I just thought at that spot, there were so now look, if that guy's still available in the second or third round, you take a fly around, that's a lot different, but a pick 18 or whatever it was where they picked him 20, something like that. I mean, there's a lot of guys still there that could have yeah. really helped your football team. Um, I thought Najee State, Harris was, that's where I thought Najee Harris was going right there at 18. Yeah. I thought that was a definite possibility. I think that might've been a case where everybody was afraid to pull the trigger on the first running back, but you saw once the Steelers did the second one went the next pick and then the right. third one went you know quickly after right early in the in the second round um let me ask you about this one kyle trask went to tampa bay he was the quarterback at florida yep. actually got picked a little bit earlier than we probably thought he would now if i'm the gm and the ownership group and everything in tampa bay i understand eventually tom brady's not going to be your quarterback he might not be your quarterback a year or two from now so you eventually have to look at the future but to me, if I'm picking now, if I can get to Kyle Trask in the fifth round, that's different or any quarterback, but to use a second round pick on a guy on my second round pick, I want a guy who's going to come in and contribute this year because I'm going all out, obviously, to try to win a Super Bowl again. So even if that means taking a guy who I have a very defined role for, but at least he's going to be on the field, Kyle Trask is not going to help them this year at all. And to me, they're more than any team in the league in an absolute win now mode. They brought back every player from every starting player from their Super Bowl champion team. I was just a little surprised they went, you know, the long term route. And I understand that it is quarterback and maybe they had a very high grade on the guy. But I was a little surprised at that pick. What do you think about them taking a quarterback rather than someone who could help their present quarterback? Well, I, you know, I like Kyle Trask. He was he was a good quarterback for Florida. Dan Mullins, the quarterback whisperer. You know, he's he's developed a lot of, you know, the Dak Prescott's, you know, people like that. So I like Dan Mullen. I mean, I guarantee that Tampa Bay was in, you know, it's right up the road from Gainesville, you know, where uh, University of Florida is. So I'm, I, I like the trash. I mean, I, I, I you know, quarterback's such an iffy game. I mean, they're going to have to tell what he did at Florida is not what they're going to do at Tampa Bay. I mean, at Florida, they threw a lot of screens, stuff like that. Some, some RPO stuff, but you know, maybe they're going to develop a package for Kyle Trask just in case, you know, I don't know. Here's case. another here's another team I didn't understand what they did, and you could have probably we probably could have picked this one out before the draft. The Houston Texans. Now right. the Texans didn't have a pick in the first two rounds, but then they come out with their first pick, which was a third round pick. They take a quarterback, then they trade up about twenty slots, including draft capital from next year's draft. When to me the Texans should be all about, hey, we suck right now. We got all this mess with Deshaun Watson. We're going to suck for a year or two. The last thing we want to do is start reaching for guys and trading up, you know, next year's draft capital, trade right. up like 20 spots to get a receiver. And then they traded up later again to get another 
Another guy, I just I, I didn't really understand what they were doing, because to me, either you're going to go with Deshaun Watson or you're going to break it down entirely and trade him. And then, you know, you want to take I don't want my big star quarterback being a third round, you know, eighth quarterback of the draft guy. I want him to be a top 10 pick, which they're certainly going to have. So I really didn't understand what the Texans were doing. But, you know, you could you could replay that to a bunch of situations over the past two years with that franchise. They seem to have fallen apart. Well, they did draft that dude you gave us the, the flyer on. You're like that Brevin Jordan tight end from Miami is like the best kept secret of the draft. So right. you think he might have been the second best tight end in the draft after uh, the old dude from uh, Florida. So well, Pitts was know. on his own. He was on his own island. He yeah. was, you know, it was Pitts and then there was, you can start the conversation with everybody else. I mean, Texas only had five picks. And like you said, they didn't pick till the third round. So right there, someone is not you know, managing their draft capital, you know, after I was turned on to this Jimmy, Jimmy Johnson scale, dude, I'm never going to look at anything else. It's kind of like that, right. that, that go for two scale that every coach carries in their right. paper. You know, do I go, you, you follow that's, you know, it's I'm down 12 with two and a half minutes left. What do I right. do? Right, right, right. You know, so someone's not managing the draft capital there. I'm, I'm kind of questionable about what the Rams did. You know, we talked about this in the, in the, in the pre-production for today's show, you know, just going over a few things, the Rams, like I said, their first pick, was Tutu Atwell, you know, the, the slight receiver from Louisville. I, I didn't see him play in person. And How on the small TV. is that guy? They're, they were saying he's like 150, 149 pounds. Is, is he really that small? He's yeah, less he's, than 150 pounds? Yeah, wow. this was 140. But, and he's short. He's only like 5'6", but he that dude is lightning in a bottle. He's he's the Tavon Austin of this draft. If you remember, another guy the Rams drafted. Yeah. He's the Tavon Austin of this draft. Here, um, here's the difference. They took Tavon Austin at pick number eight. He yeah. took this guy in the second round. So yeah. if he doesn't work out, it's not as big of a deal. You take a guy at pick eight, you better work out. Right. I mean, they didn't they, they didn't have a first-round pick, and they didn't draft for the 25th pick in the second round. So that's a long time to wait. You know, imagine if you're doing a fantasy football draft, Mez, and you're waiting oh, yeah. until, you know, the, that that's a long time to wait for someone, you know. So Well, that, that's why I was so surprised when the, Tex, the Texans waited even longer. They waited to the third round. And then I'm thinking, all right, draft, you know, get some core guys, some offensive linemen. So when you finally – either support Watson or go in a different direct, but their first pick, they take a, a quarterback. I, I, I really didn't understand that. I guess, again, maybe they have such a high grade on this guy. They think he's the steal of the draft. We had him rated as the third best quarterback and we got him in the third round. Who knows? But I just, right. look, anything they've done lately, they didn't pull the trigger on a Deshaun Watson trade when they should have, right. because they could have shipped him off just in time before all the legal troubles hit yeah. and said, we're clean and we got three first round picks for you. Because yeah. They could have traded him to Carolina and gotten a bevy of picks and they missed it. And we talked about that on one of our very first shows that Carolina was crazy. And they ended up trading to get, you know, darn old. And they wanted, they wanted to trade to get a, a veteran quarterback right? and get a guy that could come in there. And the Texans missed the boat. And they've missed the boat on a lot of stuff. I, you know, I thought the Panthers, I will forget. I thought the Panthers had a good draft. I mean, I like that Chubba Hubbard kid, you know, the Hubba Bubba running back from Oklahoma. He's fast. He had a huge year two years ago. He had like yeah. 2000 yards. Yeah. I mean, he's a good compliment back to – I'd like to see the Travis Etienne go to the Panthers. He's a local guy, but I like Chubba Hubbard. I think he's a good good pick. They, they address some offensive line needs. That dude from Wisconsin or whatever, I think it's Wisconsin. Somewhere from the Big Ten. Big is it, or is it BYU? Where's the big lineman from? For the Panthers? I think they got a guy from BYU. I think it was Zach Wilson's blindside protector they picked, right? Yeah, I mean, they addressed some issues, some needs, which I thought we had to. You know, last year it was a very defensive heavy draft for them. This year they kind of went all around the world on, on their picks, but – you know, they're a mid-round, you know, mid-top 15 drafts, in my opinion. I think Matt Rule's finally trying to figure it out a little bit, what's going, how the NFL works. 
they did draft that, that Terrace Marshall kid receiver from LSU, kind of reuniting him with uh, his old OC at um, LSU. So yeah, and a third, and a third, because I pulled it up on my phone while we're talking here, real quick. No, you know, in this day and age with Google and Wikipedia, no sense of trying to. Re- here it is. In the second round, like you said, they took um, Terrace Marshall, who was kind of the third wide receiver on that LSU team. You had Jefferson, right. you had Jamar Chase. He was the third guy. You also had. By the way, Randy Moss's kid was the tight end on that team. Yeah, did you know that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he can't even um, he can't even hold footing in the league. He gets shipped around from teams. Didn't even get drafted last year. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, in the third round, the guy they took was Brady Christensen, mm-hmm. who was the tackle from BYU. And BYU's offensive line played really well last year. Right. You know, Wilson was off platform, and you know his hot mom and all this stuff. He had here's the best thing he had going for him. He had a tremendous offensive line last year where he made a lot of throws where there wasn't a guy within five yards of him breathing down his neck. That's going to probably change pretty quickly. Right. Although I do, for the most part, I do like what the jets did. I like the fact they trade, they identified, Hey, we have the worst guard playing the league. Let's trade up in the first round and get who we think is going to be the best guard out of this draft. Elijah Vera Tucker out of USC. Right. And then they took a guy in the second pick of the second round that I really thought Jacksonville missed a mark on. I thought if they would have taken this guy with the first, the pick before, They took a cornerback from Georgia. If they would have taken Eli Moore, that little slot receiver guy out of Ole Miss, I thought you you give Trevor Lawrence, you got your solid running back in Robinson. You drafted Etienne, who's going to be a gadget, do-everything player. You got Eli Moore out of the slot, and you got a couple other good, decent receivers with size with DJ Chark and Levesky Chenault or however you say his name. They got some good – They got their offense would have been – I felt like they were one piece away, and and I just happened to really think Eli Moore was one of the tremendous – tremendously uh, electric players in the draft. So I like what the Jets did in many ways. I'm just not sure they picked the right quarterback. If their number two pick would have been Justin Fields, I'd be J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 all the way to the bank. I'm not sure they got the right guy, and that that will be a big miss if if he's the wrong guy. Now you think it's J-E-T-S means just end the season. So That's right. (laughs) Well, hey, I mean, there's a franchise that, you know, they have one of the great moments, arguably the greatest moment in NFL history with, you know, Namath calling the upset, beating the Colts as 19-point underdogs, winning Super Bowl three, establishing the AFL as, you know, yeah, running off the field, waving his <laughs> – and what have they done since? You got the butt fumble. You got three picks by A.J. Dewey in the playoffs against them. Nothing but, you know, the Jets sold their souls to the devil for that moment. And ever since then, they've just never been able to get out of their own way. But I do think, for the most part, they have a very solid GM. Look, the, the coach hasn't coached a game yet, so we don't know what Robert – Sala is as a coach right um the GM was a guy that came from Joe Adams came from Philly had a pretty good pedigree um and they seem to have their heads screwed on straight again their entire draft is going to come down to Zach Wilson right because this was a draft where you could have and here's a reason why sometimes look at that Jimmy Johnson trade chart what is the second overall pick worth 2,500 points or whatever it is yeah you can get you know you can rebuild an entire roster if you're willing to trade back to middle of the first round and there were still some quarterbacks there but we'll, we'll right. see what happens that's why it's fun you just never know and you got to wait and let the games play out we you know the panthers drafted another offensive line they drafted uh, deontay brown the guard from alabama who played right next to alex leatherwood and then people criticized the raiders for they shouldn't have drafted leatherwood that early you know here again he was a hell of an offensive lineman a tackle the blind side tackle for Tua, the blind side tackle for mac jones played a lot of football games in alabama he's a good offensive line they questioned his work ethic you know 
I think he just, like I said, he won a national championship in Alabama. He was probably tired, maybe didn't work as hard that week. I don't know. I, you know, we're all taking flyers here, dude. So, right. And, and I think with Leatherwood, I think when you look at, you know, I, I, like I said, I've been listening to these Bill Polian podcasts where he talks a lot about the role of a GM and how you scout and how you set up a draft board. Very interesting stuff, very detail oriented if you're really into it. But the one thing that Leatherwood had that a lot of these other guys didn't have, he had all the measurables in terms of size, in terms of the arm length, in terms of the weight, the, the flexibility. I mean, I can understand why the Raiders said, we think this guy is going to be, you know, our next Gene Upshaw, and we're going to put him out there at offensive tackle and just leave him there. I think it's easy to, to second guess these guys because with a position like offensive tackle, because there were so many good tackles in this draft, it seemed like, that if one guy – comes in and upsets the apple cart of all the mock drafts that everybody reads. And let's face it, most of us, when we talk about fans, we're just going by other people's information. We don't have, you know, how much, how much did the casual fan watch Alex? You might've watched Alabama play a few times, but are you really keying in on Alex Leatherwood? Of course not. But the Raiders had guys that, you know, watched every snap of his college yeah. career. Right. And a guy that was, you know, one of the highest recruits, you know, a five-star recruit, top tackle prospect, everything like that. So I don't, I don't really think the Raiders um, draft was crazy. Here's another team I liked as we're talking about tackles and teams that kind of either traded back or just let the draft come to them. The Vikings traded back with the Jets. They ended up getting Darasaw, the offensive tackle from Virginia Tech, who I thought yeah. was going to be gone by pick 15 or first half of the first round. Um, they also then came back and took Kellen Mond. He's right. the quarterback out of Texas A&M. We talked about him when we talked about the uh, quarterback previews that, you know, we talked about possible sleeper picks and guys that could emerge you know, away from all the big names of the big five that went early. And Kellen Mond was a name that I picked. And I said, I could see this guy having a decent NFL career. And, you know, people looking back and saying, well, how do we miss him? They took him in round two or three to be, um, what's their quarterback's name? The guy that got the big contract. Uh, Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins, you know, eventual replacement. He's probably got to let, let the guy sit for a year, let him learn, and then they go fight it out. Or if Cousins has a bad year, you know, get rid of that big albatross of a contract and bring in the new guy. So I did like – I liked what the Vikings did. I liked what the Bears did by trading up to get fields. Um, I thought they needed to do that. I liked the fact that they then went out and traded up again in the second round. They got a, a tackle, Tevin Jenkins, who fell to them um, because they said, look, if we're investing in a quarterback, let's invest in a big body to, to protect them. So I really like what the Bears did. I liked what the Lions did. I don't like what the Packers did. So the NFC Central, to me, there were three winners, and the, and the Packers were right up there with the Texans and all these teams that I don't understand what they're doing. And with the Packers, it's not so much who they drafted, but it's just the fact that you're about to have Aaron Rodgers basically never want to come back into your facility. You're right. doing something wrong as an organization. And look, I know Aaron Rodgers can be a pain in the butt. He absolutely, the guy never gets arrested. He doesn't have <laughs> PDs. He doesn't have sexual misconduct charges against him. He doesn't get bad, uh, you know, 15 yard penalties in a game. I'm sure he wants certain things that he wants, but you know what, to be honest with you, he's earned it. Give him what he wants. Either that or just decide you're going to go in a different direction. But as soon as you do, you're not 13 and three, you're three and 13 because right. he is the team. Mm -hmm. So you think you're bigger than him, you know, and I've, I've been reading because th this story just fascinates me and the different takes that people have and people that are actually siding with some, you know, obscure general manager. I'm like, he's Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> what right. are you doing? If, if you want on your resume that I'm the guy who let Aaron Rodgers, you know, go to Denver and win back to back Super Bowls or whatever it is. I mean, he's coming off an MVP season. You gave him a big contract. And like I said, in the, I, I did a little research. In the last 10 or 12 years, 
they've never used a first round pick on a running back, a wide receiver, or a tight end ever. Hmm. But they've used it on a backup quarterback. Right. Yeah. So if I'm Aaron Rodgers, yeah, I would I would be kind of ticked off. And they said the the final nail for him was last September, I guess, or right before the season, maybe he made a comment about it must have been before the season because they were finalizing the roster. And he made a comment, oh, I really like this one receiver. Two days later, the GM cut him and kept somebody else. And Aaron Rodgers felt like, look, I know he's the fifth receiver on our team, but he was workable. He was going to be a serviceable piece. I mean, I'm not saying that you got to let the guy run the franchise, but you do have to take his opinions into account because, like I said, without him, you have no team. Yeah. You have Devontae Adams. You got a couple guys on defense, but you really have no team. Aaron Rodgers is your franchise. I got so, you. Who, who's the steal of the draft? Who got the steal of the draft? Any round? I hate to say it, but I think it's the Eagles. And let me see what they take them in four or five. I think it was round four. And it was funny because I was te- I was at my son's basketball game. So when the third day hit, I wasn't into every pick and I'm texting some buddies. And I said, you know, is that, is Kenneth Gainwell still on the board? Is he still available? And literally five minutes later, he gets drafted by the Eagles. Kenneth Gainwell is a shifty little fire plug of a running. Actually got taken in the fifth round fire plug of a running back out of Memphis. I thought he could have gone as early as probably the third round. He ended up falling to the Eagles at pick 150. As a Cowboys fan, I hate to say it, but I think the Eagles did really well with him. I think they did really well with Devontae Smith. I didn't understand a couple of their other picks, but to me, Kenneth Gainwell is the is the uh, the top you know sleeper pick of the draft. Who do you th- who would you give your prize to? You know, there's so many people to pick from. I mean, the two running back, that Javante Williams kid, running back from Carolina, was really good too. But his 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 coworker there, Michael Carter, is another good running back that the Jets addressed running back need. You know, right. that was a good pick for them. Um, Javante Williams went to Denver. Yeah, that was a good pick. I liked him. Uh, I'm trying to think of the running back, the kid from Buffalo. I kept I kept Peterson, Patterson, maybe Jarrett Patterson. He's, okay. He was, a, he was a good draft pick. Uh, it's escaping me now. It's, I need my second cup of coffee. Uh, I know who it is. Here's my, here's my sleeper of the pick. Richie Grant, safety from Central Florida. This kid can play. He is a center fielder back there, and he's a, a hardcore headbanger coming downhill. Falcons addressed the need of the defensive secondary. It was a good pick for them. I like Richie Grant a lot. Two they got a picks. couple. They got a couple good players with taking Pitts in the first round, and then taking Grant in the uh, Richie Grant in the second round. They, they uh-huh. addressed both sides of the ball nicely. Yeah, it's funny. So. I did. I did. I, I sent to you and a bunch of buddies. I did. You know, here's my predictions. My own mock draft for the first 32 picks. I was three for four on the first four picks. Well, the first two were easy. I got Pitts right to Atlanta. Then I went one for 28 the rest of the first round. The only pick I got was Najee Harris to the Steelers. Everything That's right. else. I, I, you know, I, I was I, close, I, but not no cigar. I made a few phone calls to Pittsburgh. I said, we need to make this happen. I need to get my 22 jersey. So, you know, is that but, what he's going to wear? Is he going to wear 22? I think he's going to wear 22. Yes. So let's, and, let's and make- now you got like, like Michael Parsons, he's going to wear 11. You got all these new rules with uniforms. He's wearing huh. 11 as a, as a weak side linebacker or whatever he's going to play. Yep. Good for them. So well, let, let's put a bow in the draft, Mez. Now it's time to move on to the boys of summer and baseball. You got NBA playoffs heating up. So, and school's almost over, baby. So we'll be able to do this more often this summer. So we'll talk baseball and whatnots more. Baseball will be NBA playoffs. I mean, hockey, we'll, I guess we could touch upon it. If there's any big news, we haven't really ever talked any hockey. So we'll pretty much stick with, stick with the uh, round balls rather than the pucks. But yeah, this, this draft has been fun. Look forward already. Next year's draft, just real quick, is supposed to be absolutely loaded because there's just a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. A lot of big, big time defensive prospects and a lot of guys who based on COVID that will be coming back for another year that might've normally opted to come into this draft but they're going to opt to play another season 
uh, try to improve their draft stock. And next year, 2022 draft is supposed to be loaded and it will be in Las Vegas. Oh, maybe, Lord. maybe we've got to do a, you know, a road trip out there and, and, and do a satellite show. Yeah. 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 Through a remote. That's right. All right, man. It's good talking to you, buddy. We'll holler at you. Howl at you soon. Thanks for joining us on Over Under. I'm Mike Schatzer. That was my co-host, Craig Mesmer. We are done with the NFL draft for 2021. I haven't even looked at the 2022 draft yet, so I'm not even going to start yet. Dude, don't even, don't even tempt me. You know, so we'll talk baseball and NBA coming up soon. Enjoy your rest of your week, Mez. Good talking to you, brother. You too. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening.